Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are in the room live, watching live online, later on demand, or listening to our podcast, we're excited to start a new year with you. January is a great time to refocus and re-energize your spiritual journey. God is ready, willing, and more than able to do something new in you this year, and I promise you won't want to miss out on that. I'm Chris Voigt, and I lead the team here at Dayspring. Our team loves to challenge, encourage, and equip people just like you to become more like Jesus. There is nothing more important in life than your relationship with Him, and we are committed to helping you grow in your love and devotion to Him. If this is your first time visiting Dayspring, we want you to know that this is the kind of church where you get to be you. We're just like you, imperfect people on a journey. We're allowing Jesus to make something beautiful out of our broken and often messy lives learning to live like Him, a little more today than yesterday, a little more tomorrow than today. Even if you aren't sure that you're ready to be on that journey with us, maybe you are skeptical about the claims of Jesus or skeptical of His followers, well, this is still a great place, a safe place to explore and ask questions as you look for answers. We're asking those same questions and looking for answers too, so I think we can be pretty good company on your journey. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. If you are joining us for the first time today, we have been working our way through the theology-rich New Testament book of Hebrews in a series we've called Greater, The Supremacy of Christ Through Hebrews. And not to give away the farm, but the series title says it all, Jesus is Greater, which on this side of history, most of us take for granted. Uh, Of course Jesus is greater. He is God. Uh, In his role as the Son of God, made flesh and bone when he came to earth as God in a bod, still fully God, but also fully human. He lived a perfect life and then gave it up for us when he paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. Three days later, he conquered death when he rose from the grave. And for those who follow Christ, we rose with him. Where we were once dead spiritually... We are now fully alive, never to die again. Though our bodies will still eventually give out if our time on earth comes to a close before Jesus returns for his people. But until that day, our spiritual life, powered by the Holy Spirit, gives us everything we need to begin enjoying our eternal life now. The more we become like Jesus Now, the more eternity bleeds into our lives now. I mean, if in eternity we will experience the perfect presence of God, perfect joy, perfect love, perfect peace, and on and on and on, then any measure of those things that we experience now is just heaven seeping through early. So, of course, Jesus is greater. He made that possible. 
things didn't seem quite as clear to these second-generation Hebrew Christ followers. Their entire lives had been enmeshed in a very different religious culture. They still lived within that culture physically. They were surrounded by Jewish people being Jewish, which made it easy to return to the rituals of the Jewish religion, easy to return to what was comfortable especially in the face of persecution. Now, we know what that's like. Maybe not the persecution part yet, but the call of comfort. How many of us started the new year right? We began our Bible reading plan, but it's getting harder and harder to fit it into our busy schedule. We decided we wanted to get healthy, so we joined the gym, maybe even went a couple of times, but we're just so exhausted at the end of the day. Who has the energy to work out? Or he wanted to eat healthier, which has become leaving some fries in the box so we don't feel like we ate them all. <laughs> the call for comfort is incredibly powerful, and our comfort zones hold us back just as much as theirs held back our first century brothers and sisters. In black backsliding into the rituals of Jerusalem, what these Christians were doing was essentially relegating Jesus to the hierarchy of Judaism, which might look something like this. God is clearly at the top. Below him are the angels. After all, they are the messengers of God. And before the written word of God, one of their jobs was to deliver the messages of God. Then comes Moses, the greatest prophet of all time, and he'd probably be representative of the rest of the prophets as well. And after Moses would come the high priest, leaving Jesus at the bottom. But this unknown writer of Hebrews wanted to make it really clear that there was no going back. Because this hierarchy didn't reflect reality. Jesus was far greater than the old way of looking at things. Jesus wasn't simply a good human. He was the son of God. Now, now we know that Jesus is the son of God. But the author of Hebrews focuses on his role as the son of God. And as the son of God, even in his humanity, he is greater than the angels. The angels might have brought the word of God, but Jesus is the word of God made flesh. He is also greater than Moses, who might have been a great leader, but he still wasn't able to get the Israelites into the promised rest of the promised land. And as we're going to see today, he is the great high priest. Better than Aaron, the Jews' first high priest and all who have followed him. Jesus is simply greater than all. His name is high above all other names. Why would you choose anything less? Why would we choose anything less? Why would we choose the false idols of power, money, and fame in our search for security and significance? Why would we choose the empty philosophies that overpromise and underdeliver on their ability to make us captains of our own destinies? Why would we choose to elevate our rights as American Christians over our responsibility to sacrifice our rights in the name of love? Why would we choose the comfort of our own legalistic rituals in favor of the freedom that comes through Jesus? Just as Jesus was and is greater for the Hebrews, so he is still greater for us today. We just have different things trying to pull us back, or rather, to keep us from becoming. 
Now, with all of that as our background, today we'll pick up where we left off last week in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. As I've already mentioned, the author is returning to the theme of our great high priest, which began in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. But this time, we are given more information about why Jesus is a greater high priest. Verse 14, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Because these Hebrew Christians were converts from Judaism, the idea that access to God came through a priest wasn't foreign to them. Only the high priest could stand before God on his own merits. That's how the Jewish religion had worked since the tabernacle was set up in the desert and Moses' brother Aaron was made the high priest. We, on the other hand, are Protestants. Protestants, by definition, have rejected the notion that access to God comes through the priest. We have our own access which fits in really well with our independent, self-reliant, I got this version of Christianity here in the U.S. Which probably leads us to take our justification that is our right standing with God because he sees us through the lens of Jesus so we don't need a middleman for granted. We believe in what we call the priesthood of the believers. We are all priests. But this, the message of this section of Hebrews is that we still need an intercessor. And while the high priest intercessors of old entered the Holy of Holies in the man-made temple to intercede in what represented the presence of God, one time a year on the Day of Atonement, our intercessor stands in the presence of God at his right hand, And the use of his title in this verse, Jesus, Son of God, gives us the sense that he will do so eternally, not just one day a year, which makes him a far more effective advocate for us. He has unique access. This is what gives us eternal security. Jesus will never stop advocating for us. He is always pleading our case as he represents us before God. And as the last words of verse 14 say, let us hold firmly to what we believe. That is, don't abandon your belief in Jesus. There is no better option. And would you really want one anyway? Because this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Now the author already covered this idea in chapter 2. Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows firsthand how much power there is in our temptations. He, too, was tempted by power. He was tempted by by wealth. He was tempted by comfort. He was tempted to escape the suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. That thing you can't quite shake. The temptation that is your Achilles heel, the one that you've prayed that he'd take away but he hasn't, The one that you've prayed not to fall prey to, but you still do. He understands. And that understanding makes him an even more effective advocate for you. Even as you sin, he is advocating for you in real time. But 
unlike every other high priest intercessor, in his understanding, he never succumbed to the power of sin. He is pure and blameless and perfectly righteous. And what, what should astound us every moment of every day is his righteousness has been credited to our account. Even in our sin, as we sin, we draw on his righteousness from a bank account that will never overdraft. Which means that we can always come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This is one promise I think every Christian should have memorized. Uh, what all of this about our perfect high priest means is perfect representation. The kind of representation that allows us to boldly walk into the throne room of our almighty God because we know we belong, thanks to Jesus. Those of us outside of the Jewish, the traditional Jewish religion are a bit of a disadvantage when it comes to understanding the nuances of high priesting, uh, representing the people before God. And God to the people was only half of the job description of the high priest. Clearly, Jesus stands head and shoulders above the rest in the representing us before God and God to us high priest rule. Now, as we move into chapter 5, the author will help us understand why Jesus also rocks the other half of the job description. There are only two primary responsibilities. Representing the people before God and God to the people and purifying the people from sin. So starting in chapter 5 verse 1. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. The role of the high priest is not self-proclaimed. You can't just decide that you're going to be a high priest. It's not like today where you can, with a few clicks on the internet, ordain yourself as a priest. I think we have a few of those in this room. Uh, beginning with Aaron, Moses' brother, God called, he ordained who would be the high priest. Sometimes he worked through the bloodline of the previous high, high priest, passing the title from father to son. And sometimes he bypassed he bypassed it if that son were disqualified for some reason. But the idea here is that God ordains the high priest from among men. Meaning that every high priest experienced life like everyone else. Verse 2, and because the high priest is like everyone else, uh, he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. Now this would include Jesus as we saw earlier. His humanity was one of the qualifications of his ordination, uh, of his calling to high priest. But under the old covenant, the high priest himself was also the product of brokenness in a fallen world. With temptations and weaknesses just like the people he represented. Which, in theory, remember by the time of Jesus, the high priest and all of the rest of his ilk rested on their self-righteousness and believed themselves to be better than everyone else. But in theory, their shared humanity allowed them to represent people sympathetically much like we just saw of Jesus. But their fallen nature also required they offer sacrifices for their own, on their own behalf as well. 
Jesus, as we've already seen, was able to be sympathetic without being broken. Which means that instead of offering a substitute to substitute for our sins, something that had to be repeated over and over and over because it was never good enough, he offered himself the perfect substitute in a once and for all offering, a one and done sacrifice. Uh, other high priests offered sacrifices of animals that covered sin for a season, which is why they had to be repeated over and over. Jesus, in his perfection, offered himself as a sacrifice that cleansed from sin, perfect enough to be one and done. He cleansed instead of covered, which is what the other high priests did when they sacrificed. Which again, his superior sacrifice makes him a better high priest when it comes to the other half of the high priest job description of purifying the people from sin. One and done is better than over and over. But even with all of this, for a traditional Jew, there would be a, still be a speed bump in this train of thought. Uh, let's read this next verse and then I'll explain. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. Now again, no one can just decide they're going to be the high priest. God calls high priests, just as he did with Aaron. And every high priest following would come from Aaron's line, unless they were disqualified by God for some reason. And even then, the next high priest would have to be from the tribe of Levi, like Aaron was. All of the priestly class came from Levi. They were Levites. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. We know him as the Lion of Judah. That's what the Judah part in this, of that title means. So from a Jew's perspective, how could a Judahite, a Judean, be a priest at all? Let alone a high priest. Well, first, let's make it really clear that this wasn't a decision Jesus made. These last few verses that we're covering today are super rich in theology. So let's read straight through verse 10, and then I'll explain what's going on here. Verse 5. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Uh, this is a quote from Psalm 2 that we'll come back to in a moment. Verse 6, and in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And this is a quote from Psalm 110. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud, with, with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, here's how we need to think about this. Jesus did not die as our high priest. He willingly gave up his life and died as our perfect sacrifice. But he rose again as our high priest. His life as he lived it on earth in humble submission to the plans and purposes of God the Father proved his obedience. And, his, and that's what qualified him for the role of high priest. He was made a high, our high priest after he completed his earthly assignment. 
So if we, if we jump back to the, the quote in Psalm 2, in verse 5, you are my son, today I have become your father. This quote doesn't refer to the birth of Christ, but to the resurrection of Christ from the dead. In the old King James Version, it says, this day have I begotten thee. When we say that Jesus is the only begotten son of God, that's what we mean. He was begotten in his resurrection before ascending into heaven to become our high priest. He was not begotten by virtue of the virgin birth. And no, that still doesn't make him a qualified Levite. But as we saw in verse 6 and again in verse 10, instead he's a qualified Melchizedekian. So while all of the old covenant high priests belong to the order of Aaron... Jesus belongs to the order of Melchizedek, an order of priests that precedes the Old Covenant. Uh, when we get to Hebrews 7, we'll unpack Melchizedek in more detail. But for now, Melchizedek is only mentioned in two places in the Old Testament. We've seen the second in Psalm 110.10. The first mention occurs way back in Genesis chapter 14, and even there, not much is said. But we should note that Melchizedek was both a priest and a king by the time the old covenant came about these were two separate offices in fact king Uzziah wanted to be both and God judged him but prior to the old covenant these two offices were combined which is how Jesus can be both our high priest and our king it wasn't the old covenant that qualified him it was an even older covenant. And the reason Jesus can be our high priest forever is that as far as the Old Testament is concerned, Melchizedek never died. That is, we have no record of it, leaving us to wonder if, like Enoch, he was just taken away at the end of his life, or like Elijah, a fiery chariot arrived to usher him into eternity. Uh, just because we don't have a record of his death doesn't mean that he didn't die. We, know, we don't know what happened to him. We're left to wonder, which gives us a sense of eternalness. This, this, but this idea of eternalness is made complete in Jesus, our king and high priest. Now, here in this, why, why would you choose anyone else? Here in, the, here in the room, most of us would say, we don't. I don't. I choose Jesus. And then we leave and go home and live in ways that water down grace as we try to make Jesus fit into the way we want to live. We try to fit Jesus into our American culture of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness at all costs. We want him to bless us as we live the way we want to live, for the most part. And when we sin, well, grace is cheap. There is no end to the well of grace we draw from because our high priest is always advocating on our behalf, reminding God the Father to look at our lives through the lens of his blood. So it's easy to take sinfulness, our sinfulness, lightly. Oops, I did it again. I'm sorry, Jesus. Please, please forgive me. And then we move right back into living life the way we want. So the reality is that we don't choose Jesus most of the time. We choose ourselves. If we can learn anything from our great high priest, it should be the faithfulness to live in humble obedience to every calling of our father. 
Because grace really wasn't cheap. Our rebellion, and most of us don't really think of ourselves as rebellious. That's how deceived we are. Maybe let's call them micro-rebellions. Even our little sins, the ones that we are so comfortable with, are, are so hideous to God that it required Jesus to give up his life to cleanse us from them. So let's not be cavalier with our sin. Instead, may our faithful obedience prove our faith and honor the one who sacrificed himself so we could have faith at all. And we're going to transition to communion here in a moment. And I'm just, I'd like to give you just a moment of silence. I might noodle on the piano, but a moment of silence to just consider the ways that your micro-rebellions don't honor the sacrifice of Jesus. That, that prove that you still live for yourself at some level. We're not, we're not called to just live for Jesus with part of our lives. We're called to live with him, for him with all of our lives. We're just not very good at it. So in, in a moment of silence, I just want to invite you to let him speak to you about what one more piece of your life could look like lived for him. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today. Let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions on your own or with others will help the truth of God's word begin to shape your life as you grow to be like Jesus. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen or you can call the church during the week. If you are just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. We counted a privilege to play a small part in God's perfect work in you today. The people who called Dayspring their home church make this ministry possible. Their faithful giving is proof of God's work in their lives and they want to pay it forward so you can experience the same life-changing presence of Jesus. For those of you who would like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail us a check at the address you'll find on our website. Until we meet again, I am praying that God will give you opportunities to use your influence for the glory of his kingdom. One easy way to do that is to share this service with your friends and family. If this service was a blessing to you, it'll probably be a blessing to someone else too. Thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you connect with us. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. All of these simple acts of kindness on your part, God uses to plant seeds in other people's lives. So keep sowing.